0: welcome 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 and welcome to episode 22 of the life-changing whippets and flat caps two little ducks we've made it to number 22 but the question is are they horse-sized ducks or (laughs) normal-sized ducks uh yes this is the podcast where we question how many chickens it would take to kill an elephant that question has arisen. Thank you very much to you extremely strange and twisted northern folk. I'm Will Perry, my two little ducks this week. As always, John Wilkin and Mark Flanagan. Um, someone even sent us, Mark,
1: didn't they? Some shirts this week. A t-shirt with um, a horse size, t- four horse horse-sized ducks and a duck sized horse Yeah. Uh, on a Whippies and Flat Caps t-shirt and three mugs. So we'll, that. we'll that use them next week. That is n- when you know you are yeah, at the top it, of your game.
2: People have got a lot of time on their hands, haven't they? <laughs> As a view by the uh, how much effort you put into the, the intro, yeah. you, I think you just fluffed it full of welcomes. Welcome. There was a lot of welcomes. It was very Richard Bacon. Actually. <laughs> That's what, it, yeah, what he used it to was, do. It was. Um,
0: don't forget iTunes Podbean. Uh, you can get us uh, on your podcast provider. Uh, download, subscribe, and follow us on Twitter at WhippetsRL. This week, it might—I mean, it might sound like someone's DJing in the background, John, mightn't it? Which is um, well, which is yeah, probably true because yeah, we, we're at Piccolino's. In Alderley Edge on a beautiful summer's afternoon in July. Um, and we are joined
2: by, yeah, rugby
0: league royalties.
2: Yeah, well, a, f- a fantastic uh, guest this evening. Um, really very lucky to uh, not only be in Alderley Edge in Cheshire, which is nice, but also to have Robert Elston. Illustrious
0: company. Yes. Robert, Robert Elston. If we could get everyone to applaud, that would be great, but there's hardly anyone around. Us. <laughs> that music's pretty. Terrible. Rob, Robert, first question. Favourite favorite band, favourite music?
3: Favourite music? Yeah. Oh, wow. That's caught me out, hasn't it?
2: Uh, there's so to many questions. you will be careful there? what you I say. There's so many say. questions to ask and it's gone straight for <laughs> Favourite band, favourite colour. No. Always, always that's, catch that's him a, off guard. That's a into a date with Will. <laughs>
3: because I am a bit of a musical... Uh, Desert, really. If that's the right word, I I turned up at university with uh, a little cassette player and about three tapes, and was in awe of all these lads who were unloading stereo systems out the back of the cars. My my sadly, my formative years were spent reading rugby league programs, watching rugby games, or uh, and, and music. Music. I, I grew up in a house that wasn't massively into music, so mm. long answer. But probably the best band I ever saw. I spent two years in Sydney and saw two great bands. Deacon Blue in a pub in Ooh, Salinas in Kudji Bay. Yeah, yeah that's, just no, as they were that's good. on the up, yeah. and that place was bouncing. And then Simple Minds at the oh. Sydney Entertainment oh. Centre. Big shouts, though. And, Terry's uh, two favourite and, bands. And then, and from an atmosphere point of view, they were yeah. both. Phenomenal. This isn't
0: like when you ask Jeremy Corbyn, "What? Who do you support?" You're, oh, I'm an Arsenal fan. He's already like trying to get amongst the people to picking out some popular. Look at him. <laughs> 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 I like it. But we are an illustrious company, Mark and John. This week, so no swearing on your best no, behaviour. Yeah, uh, yeah, there's yeah. normally a few, you know. I would say sea bombs but it gets, well, gets, gets a little bit tasty. Yeah. Um, Robert, it's great to have you with us. Thank you so much because we've been trying to get a hold of you and wanted to have you on as soon as you, you were appointed. Um, firstly, t- tell us a little bit about yourself. I know a lot of Rugby League fans know quite a bit about you, but you were born in Barnsley. You're, you grew up as a massive Cass fan. Take yeah. us back to the yeah. little Robert Elston who fell in love with yeah. Rugby League.
3: Yeah. Um, I grew up actually just north of Barnsley in a little mining town called Royston which was five or six miles south of Wakefield and it's really interesting the bottom of our street was the South Yorkshire West Yorkshire border and I didn't realise at the time how sort of significant that was from a rugby league point of view because a hundred yards the other side of the border I might have met one or two rugby league fans but in South Yorkshire they were none I used to turn up at local comp in my amber and black striped shirt and I was certainly the odd man out, so, but my grandfather was born in a place called Old Tops, which was just down the road from Cass, he moved to Royston the train driver and I'm not quite sure when, my dad was born in Royston and the three of them used to take me so my first game, I always thought my first game was 1968 away at Tattersfield I was four and uh, Castleford produced this yearbook uh, a couple of years ago of all their games ever and I thought the first thing I'm going to do is find out was there really that game, anyway it turned out to be 1969 so I was a year late so my <laughs> first game was when I was five I do remember going uh, to the semi-final at Swinton in 1970 cast Saints and we beat Saints with three two point drop goals, mm-hmm. so there you go and won 6-3, and my cast love affair just started and went from that we were a bit, I think like a lot of rugby people in those days, we'd go and watch cast pretty much every home game and then, because uh, you know, we never really travelled to like to travel too far. We'd go watch Dewsbury, Batley, Wakefield, Featherstone, whoever was playing, uh, you know, the next weekend. So, uh, really, really passionate about rugby. league. Unfortunately, I had no way to really play it. There was no way to local where I could play. Uh, I was probably never destined to be a great player because I, I was I am pretty soft and I'm not particularly fast. But I kind of watched so much rugby that I kind of knew what to do without being able to necessarily do it. But I ended up at Hull University. And, uh, Can I just stop you there? All good things <laughs> spend
2: time in Hull Absolutely. at some stage. Absolutely. i, I think, Well, yeah, exactly. Two <laughs> champions of Hull on the table today. Two champions. I think, yeah, I think we're happy with that, Robert. We'll call ourselves champions absolute, of Hull. Yeah. <laughs>
3: uh, no, I had a great time in Hull. And, and listen, I was there 82 to yeah. So Hull FC were phenomenal. Mm. Kangaroos arrived in 82. Mm-hmm. Hardest game they had on the tour was against Hull FC at the mm. Boulevard. I went to the first test at Bootfree Park that just blew me away. Mm. I mean, that, that was probably a life-changing moment. Without you know wishing to paint two an extreme a picture of it, but you saw what still remained to me the ultimate rugby team. My idols that changed the way the game was played from one to thirteen. They just it was just one of those transformational moments in the sport. Um, so I did, I, I did three years at Hull, went off to train to be an accountant. And of course, the first thing I did when I was qualified was changed office and went to Sydney. So mm-hmm. here's a Great lad clearly- Great yeah. exactly. choice. But you, here's you, a lad who
0: You couldn't get back to Hull quick enough. <laughs> <laughs>
3: but here's a lad who's clearly obsessed with rugby league because, uh, you know, and actually that little thing about Sydney was ignited when I was really young, when Malcolm really left and went there. Mm. And I can remember being heartbroken when he went. And then when he came back, he, again, had changed the way because Malcolm was really tough really aggressive but when he came back Mm. he probably always was but he was really skillful, introduced the kicking game great hands very modern progressive so he'd learnt from there but anyway that that saw me go to Sydney and I spent two years uh, and who was your
1: team over there?
3: I I bumped into a, a school teacher who was a Rabbitohs fan and okay. in 1989, I think they were minor premiers but didn't get right. to the grand final and yeah. that year I watched Canberra, Balmain in I think when it went to overtime and then Sal's bombed the next year and went from I think premiers, somebody will correct me, but to Wooden Spoon so and they had Phil Blake, they had Les Davies and they had um, the halfback, uh, can't remember but they, but Phil Blake, what a player Phil Blake was. Yeah. So. Um, you know, absolutely loved it. Came home, uh, 1990, family ties good Northern Boy, all that sort of thing. So, and um, I was going to say bummed around, probably a <laughs> bit harsh, but did financial control the work, accountancy work, hated it, yes. hated it, hated it. And just out of the blue, I, 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 I've got to change something. Wrote a letter to the RFL, Chief Exec Morris Lindsay. Never met him, mm-hmm. never knew anything about him. Told him who I was and uh, he said, come in for an interview. So I went to see Morris two secretaries, two phones, big desk, sat there, smiled, nodded, smiled, nodded, and he gave me a job. He said, just work wherever you want to work. Now, 1995, World Cup, Charity Shield game in Dublin, uh, Leeds against Wigan, Mm -hmm. sent me out there, I'm a blooming accountant to do nothing about (laughs) anything, Um, you know, and, and just roll my sleeves and jump myself into it. Then Paris came along and my hand went up, I'll do Paris, I got, I was chatting with uh, Neil Wood, uh, who does work yeah. the Catalans. Yeah, uh, yeah I know. We we're both wouldn't. sharing horror stories about A-level French, and, mm. and uh, <laughs> my A-level French was garbage. But <laughs> I still put my hand up and went out there, and it was just fantastic. And uh, there must have been incredible
2: times, actually, because Morris. I've met Morris a couple of times. Like a yeah. really flamboyant character. Yeah. He, he yeah. was passionate about he the was, game, wasn't absolutely he? Absolutely. You know, he was
3: inspirational for me. And whether you, you know, agreed with you know how he did things the one thing was uh, was that inspiration first of all I saw a guy who believed in rugby league every bit as much as I did now you know I was isolated and you've got mates who were into it but I saw a guy who was running the game who believed in it to to, you know to the nth degree Mm. he then you know first thing he said to me was in you're in the business of selling dreams and that just clicked with me and resonated with me I've carried that through all my sporting career and then he just talked about you guys he talked about players he just said the game's about players and I could see what he'd done at Wigan about professionalizing the club with the players at the heart of it and respecting players um, and recognizing that the game is all about you guys and you know and, and and that's carried forward with me because you know without players without looking after them without respecting them without treating them in the right way we haven't got a game mm. so there are some real powerful lessons that I took from Morris so I left rugby league like and went into sports consulting. I probably at that time I really wanted, ironically, the job I got now. Mm. I've got now, and it really? did that sort was, of come that up. Yeah. That was that was always the dream, yeah. But but, but it, and it came up, and mm. I was probably I don't know whether my face fitted or I was too young, and I didn't get it. And and at that time, well, to be honest, I thought maybe it'll never come round again. But mm. so I went off and did sports consulting. I worked at Sky for a while. Sky were really concerned about the future of TV rights. 20 years ago now and bought 10% stakes in Chelsea and Leeds and Sunderland Granada took Liverpool and Arsenal and yeah. NTL and were on the scene so I was working in and around that
0: Is that where you re- you, you rebranded the Scottish Premiership didn't you as well football no, wise? Uh,
3: that was when I was with Deloitte Deloitte, then okay. s- uh, Deloitte had a business that essentially Leagues were coming from around the world saying make us like the Premier League, and clubs were coming from around the world saying let's make us like Man United. So we, we, we a few bob plagiarising <laughs> what I've been done there probably. Yeah. But it was great experience. And then uh, Everton came about uh, in 2005, and uh, and it was a brilliant opportunity. And I, I had such a great time at Everton. We, it, it's a really special club, but it needed modernising. The culture was, you know, what I, one thing I was really keen to do was instill a culture of of being a club in that traditional sense and i often spent a lot of time talking to the staff about remember why everton was formed 1878 methodist minister who just wanted to give everton a bit of civic pride he wanted the community to come together he wanted to give them a sense of purpose and all those values you know 140 years ago are, are relevant today and that's how we sort of clicked our marketing strategies together one thing i took from rugby Lake, however was the importance of community and how clubs and communities working together can help build loyalty. And Everton have pioneered that and done brilliant at it. And yeah, I think, you know, that's something rugby league taught me now. You know, uh, I think rugby league needs to uh, continue on that strategy. I think we can do it better, but the connection we have with fans and communities is so important in building loyalty and loyalty ultimately is what drives value into the sport, either through, uh, you know, bums on seats or mm. through TV ratings or through sponsorships. So. Yeah. Um, so I just I think I've been incredibly fortunate right place right time but you're still
0: a spring chicken still it's still <laughs> a lot of legs in Mr yeah, Elston listen
3: I, I do I mean I looked at it and, and I got a brilliant job at Everton mm. we're on the cusp of a new stadium we've got a guy with loads of money determined to really make a mark and then Super League came knocking and and I, and I keep telling people it was a difficult decision. In reality, it wasn't. It was a two-minute really? decision. Because you've been I, there thirteen I, years at Everton. Yeah, 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 yeah. And, a deputy
0: CEO. You made a way up to. See, you could have stayed quite comfortably no, as CEO. No, absolutely.
3: And and, you, and listen, I was exceptionally well paid, and uh, there's a lot of positives. I've got. You know, yeah, yeah, I've been all around the world. I, coming up, I've got I've got three kids, and one of them. Kind of, is a two of them are rugby fans, but my middle boy, I just said to him.
0: Oh, they're cast fans.
3: Uh, they are cast fans. Well, yeah. my daughter and my son is my, my middle boy. Like I said, isn't. But when I tell him, I'm told him I'm sort of giving up the boardrooms of Chelsea and Arsenal for. <laughs> But for Cass, yeah. I can say Cass. He just shook his head and said, Dad, what are you doing? What <laughs> have you done? I think I would have, 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 have said the same family? thing. <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly how he was. You're dragging I, this I, family. You let like your I, son I, down, though. he
0: was serious. No, he was absolutely, blindingly
3: serious. But listen, They're thinking man. about their inheritance as well. <laughs> <don't>
1: you? <laughs> uh, you, you worked
0: for Cass as well, didn't you? For a bit. Uh,
3: I w- no, I didn't really. I was a non-exec director. And uh, it was just a real privilege. My dad, who is no longer with us, We'd have a board meeting every Monday night. Mm. It's like a weekly board meeting (laughs) like bonkers. But I'd come out of the meeting, get home, ring my dad and say, guess who we're gonna sign? I think we might go for him. And it was just that, just that passion. And actually what it told me was you if you're involved in a rugby league club, whether you're a chairman or an owner, or a football business, Mm. you know, who you buy, who you sell, who you're gonna pick as your coach are the decisions that really get you excited. So when people say, you know, you've got an owner of a football club who's interfering, well, Mm that's the reason he's bought it, because yeah, yeah. he wants to decide yeah. who he's going to play centre-forward. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, the good ones know when to pull out, the bad ones, the bad ones don't. So <laughs> you said you
0: said that they came knocking, Super League. Can you, can you give us a bit more insight into how, just how that came about? Because obviously they knew that you're you know, a massive yeah, rugby yeah, league fan yeah, and that's your yeah. passion and that's your yeah. heart and your eyes are lighting up just talking about yeah. you know what you can do for this yeah, sport in yeah. the next five, ten years. I
3: was at uh, last year's Man of Steel and um, two or three of the clubs, I, I got an invite just randomly from a friend and uh, two or three of the clubs bumped into me and said uh, when are you coming back and they said oh you know, you're never going to leave Everton we're not going to be able to afford you and I just said look you never know you might be surprised and uh, and it just went from there really so that was followed up by mainly by Ian Lennigan. Ian, uh, when he heard that I think was keen and could see you know maybe what I could bring and uh, probably discussion started in earnest early in the new year and I um, and I was just really keen. So he was pushing it an open door with me because I, I really wanted to do it. Um, and and, 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 it, and, it, and, it, and it went from there. So, I, you know, I listen, I told Everton, I think March time and I was probably quite keen to Leave almost there and then, really, just because I wanted to get got, you know, get started on uh, rugby league matters.
0: And it was a strange season for Everton as well, wasn't it? In yep. a, it was a strange season for no, Everton. It was, it was it, an awful season. Well, in the sense that you know, I remember being around Goodison quite a lot when kuman came in. There was yeah. such great excitement. Yeah, there was no. talk of well, it was an awful top season. five, top four. Yeah. It was an awful season, but then you know that a lot of things were handled quite
3: strangely. Yeah, it, they were. They were, and 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 you know, being honest, there was a lot happening there that he you know made that decision even easier yeah. but, but they weren't pivotal in, in me going uh and neverton i think quite rightly sort of in a way calmed me down a bit and said look see the season out and uh rule it off properly and 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 i think you know i, I appreciate that wisdom because in, in hindsight it probably was the thing to do mm.
0: so what we're going to do um for as long as we can keep you and you'll just have to tell us when you're bored of us and, and we all want we've got the england game to watch later as well so we want to get away but we put some messages out and um as this is the podcast of the people, you know, we want to give people the opportunity to ask you some questions. And I know John and Mark have got plenty to ask you from a a player's point of view as well. Um, But let me just kick it off and just sort of say uh, a a few things, because you had a press conference, didn't you? uh, A couple of weeks ago. Yeah. Um, And some of the things that caught my ears from that were you said that Super League needs great leadership, great unity and a brilliant team in place to ensure that you get both of those things. So how far away are you from from all of those being realistic?
3: Uh, question will i think the leadership point um i'm ready to get started on that you know i think i think i've got a real clear vision of where i want the game to go Uh, you know there's some detail there to be fleshed out like i think i said on the day the hard bit is executing it and finding people who are coming with me to be able to deliver it i always said that at everton where and, and indeed sport generally where it's an industry where there's no shortage of ideas and actually vision isn't that difficult. Uh, the, the, the difficult thing is finding doers and people who roll, sle- roll sleeves up and actually stick with things. So uh, again, there's, there's always a new idea to execute. There's always something new. You, after doing three months of one thing, something else comes up, you get a bit fed up with it and you just hop. So we, we're an industry that has that sort of tendency to hop onto ideas and mm. there's loads of examples of that with fixture formats and latest schemes and latest ideas. We really need to, I think, stick to our guns a little bit on that in, in that respect. On the unity point, um. Robert, can I
2: just say, as you know, obviously I've been involved in the game for 15, 16 years. I think the single biggest thing that I've been frustrated by um, in my journey through the game, and I'm as passionate about rugby league as you, and I, it all, you know, has given me a lifestyle that I very much yeah. enjoy, and I love the game to bits. But it's a lack of unity and cohesion, yeah. and 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 that it means everything and nothing yeah. doesn't it that that but but in terms of how we all relate to each other maybe the clubs the the rfl yeah. Yeah. the full package we all need in my opinion to come together yeah. um and i think it, it, at times it, the appearance of our sport is quite fractured yeah. would that be right
3: yeah no i i think you're right john i think you, you, unity is is really critical um you know, we're not we're not a huge sport. We're not blessed with huge resources, and if we're splintered, then we're not we're not going to go forward for sure. I, I one of the things that enticed me back in, not enticing back in, as I said, that's wrong. It didn't. I didn't need much enticing. But one of the promises that was made to me was the game has never been more united, and 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 I think I think what was said to me then, looking back, was actually Super League's never been more united. I can't really speak for the rest of the game. I'm not saying it is or it isn't, but Super League. Um, is committed to change knows we must do better knows we can do better and 11 out of 12 clubs have signed up to the direction of travel that we're adopting which is to take more control of our own destiny uh to take charge of our commercial properties to have its own dedicated and discrete team of people who are focused without any ambiguity and therefore are accountable so you know accepting that accountability is what they haven't
0: had before right And,
3: and 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 you know i think we've got an RFL that was phenomenally well intended mm. uh, you know is trying to service a complex stakeholder group the needs of Barrow are totally different to the needs of, of Wigan um, the needs of the England team versus um, you know the needs of St. Helens whatever a very different complex stakeholder group and they have probably fallen short by trying to be two th- you know all things to all men and I think the Super League initiative that's now underway is to give us that focus and Uh, and clarity about control over our own competition, control over over our commercial rights. Mm. And ultimately, we have to accept, therefore, the accountability that comes with that.
0: On on that subject, because, you know, you mentioned the RFL there and and that's something else that really my ears pricked up was from your press conference was rebuilding uh, or or even just creating for the first time a relationship between Super League and the RFL, repairing those relationships. Obviously, you've worked for the RFL a bit so many years ago a bit from a from a Harrow schoolboy to be the voice of uh, people's concerns in, in the rugby league world, but you know, some might say it's been a bit of a shit show in terms of leadership, which is probably fair to say, isn't it?
3: I, I don't think the last six months have done the game any favours. The aftermath of the press conference uh, was just another example of uh, you know, a real poor public face that we cannot afford to have. So, but the RFL, I think, I think for me at least in paper and at least in words it's clear we need an exceptionally good governing body at the highest professional standards modern dynamic looking after the sport from a governance point of view better than any other governing body and whether that's how they apply rules regulations compliance how they govern the wider game uh, grassroots and and, and, and international football football in a rugby league sense you know we, we need them to be absolutely brilliant alongside that we have control over our own commercial destiny. We have to go and get the best possible broadcast deal. And, you know, 98% of my job is about that. Because at the end of the day, that next TV deal will dictate the game's future.
0: Will it be Sky, though? Is, it, is that just inevitable?
3: No, I, I don't think there's any inevitability about it. Well, in an environment that's changing rapidly, um, more and more broadcast channels opening up. Uh, more and more opportunity, therefore, but only opportunity if you have a great product. If you're going to all those channels with something that isn't fantastic, then you're going to fall short. So, it's uh, investment in product that makes sure when we go to that broadcast market, we've got something really, really appealing. And that's you know not just about formats and and, and facilities and about clubs. It's about perception. It's about brand. It's about what the game stands for and looks like. You know, and how it's projecting itself. Uh, We absolutely have to go to that broadcast market with with that uh, absolutely as good as it can be. At the same time, we need to be clever about what's happening in the market. We have to create competition. You will only get value if you create competition. If there's only one runner and ride, then again, you're going to fall short. So it's a combined look at understanding the market and the dynamics, you know, and, you know, undoubtedly, I'll need help and guidance as to how that's moving. But what we absolutely need to do is take the best possible product to that market. And over the next 24 months, that, that's top of the tree in terms of jobs and agenda. And going back to your time
2: at Everton Everton then, Robert, like for me, the, the, the TV funds going into any, any sports environment, but especially into the Premier League, are just a
3: huge part of the revenue, aren't they? They're just a massive part. Yeah. And uh, Well, John, 85p in every pound that Everton earned came from TV 85p wow. in every pound and what's
1: that relationship like wow. with the Super League clubs in terms of would it be a similar amount do you ima- imagine it,
3: it, I think I think it's a good question Max I'm not totally abreast of all club turnovers I suspect that some of the smaller clubs it's probably I'm guessing around 50% 60% yep. uh, for some of the bigger clubs it's probably nearer 25% But there's
1: still a big reliance it's, on, it, on it, that on it's the a TV big reliance, money
3: but in a way that highlights that you know maybe there's some growth in it and I I have to believe there is some growth in it you know Uh, I mean the other aspect of it is and and one of the big reasons I'm here is you know in terms of RFL the concerns were probably threefold and whether they were right or wrong or all right or part right or you know whatever there's a subjective view of that but the three things were about focus and it was a mixed focus and the RFL may may well turn around and say well you know 80% of our efforts were super league well the perception is it wasn't. Mm. So perception or reality. The second bit is about performance. So you've got the focus, but how are we performing? Mm-hmm. And again, the clubs felt we could do better. Well, the proof of the pudding now is with and to see whether we can do that. And then the third thing was about how the monies are shared up. And, you know, without going into detail, too much of the game's money is ending up outside of Super League. And again, you can argue how much of the money is created by Super League. Is it 75%, 80%, 50%, whatever it is. Super League clubs maintain that they are creating most of that value, yet they're not retaining most of the income or the revenue that goes with it. So it was a concern about focus. It was concern about focus, and it was concern about money. And over time, you know, what I need to do is is address all those, all three of those things. Now, the yeah. money piece, what we can't do is prejudice the rest of the game. So we cannot, you know, go on this money grab and say it's all ours. It's all ours. You can bugger off and find your own money. We can't afford to do that, mm. and we have to recognise that the commercial properties that are left outside Super League are not that valuable. It's not like the Championship, it's not like the England football team, it's not like the FA Cup. You know, There's limitations what can be created there, so we have to find that game-wide solution.
2: And, and some In some ways, I think one of the things that we, we've struggled with, again, is we're often defined by our slowest members sometimes. I think Rugby League, we're a very caring sport, as in we will look after people and if people are struggling we we help and we're compassionate in that regard but in a performance sense that's a bizarre mentality isn't it because usually you shoot for the top and you keep going and driving at the top level as far as you can but we are very conscious of those just as an example of Barrow's, the key yeah, the founding please. fathers of the, the game, the, the historical sort members. In, so, in some
1: respects, are the lifeblood on it because they, they bring the kids through and they have a lot of strong amateur scene. But then they're but, not at the pinnacle of but the but game. The challenge
2: either. remains that if you're constantly yeah. making decisions based on that level yeah, yeah, rather than driving right. the game forward at the top, then but but not, be there done. is
3: a hard. And, and John, there is a hard question to ask there about. And you know, supporters of Barrow or Rochdale shouldn't read anything into this. But you know, I've got. A mate who uh, is in Rochdale, big rugby league fan, and he will regularly tell me that Mayfield contributes more to the greater good of the game than Rochdale Hornets.
1: I can imagine that, yeah.
3: And Mayfield runs junior teams. Mayfield's first team might get watched by five or six hundred fans, mm. uh, and they're receiving no funding. My understanding yeah. is they're receiving no funding against Rochdale Hornets, who have been around for a hundred years. Mm. Um, you know, who are playing to smaller audiences without necessarily running junior teams. And the game has to ask those hard questions. Now, I think one of the challenges we've got, however, is there are teams all the way up the pyramid that could do better. So, you know, in Super League, not everybody is ripping up trees, running junior teams and packing them in. So we can be critical of Rochdale in that sense. But I think we have to recognise that some of the community clubs, whether it's Wigan, St Pats, Westhall, Lough Lane, Mayfield, and making big contributions unfunded yeah. whereas just because you happen to be a professional team you're picking up a check now that that's a hard question tough decisions for the game to make but we're not blessed with loads of money and we have to make sure we spend our money wisely
0: one, one thing I want to ask you before we move on from the RFL because we just sort of breezed past it but how poor currently is the relationship between the RFL and Super League
3: well in all honesty I I, I don't really have an answer to that because you know I'm chatting to Brian Barwick, Ralph Rimmer, Karen Mohouse, Tony Sutton, uh, Mark Foster on a regular basis and we are trying to make progress in good faith uh, around how we're going to secure that control over our commercial destiny. The team of people that I'm going to try and take with me to come into Super League because what we're trying to do here is not incur additional costs, not go out and hire a new team. We're going to look at what we've got and try and uh, apportion resources appropriately maybe maybe that might sound a little bit naive maybe we'll bump into one another but right now it's uh, for me uh, it's a decent working relationship what what that's like in other levels i really honestly can't say yeah
0: i i, I mean i just want to get a couple of these questions down, then we'll, we'll start getting into some of the, the questions that people have tweeted in um is there an argument to say robert that super league now is is controlled by the club's owners and essentially some might say the cynics might say some of those owners have a, have a dinosaur point of view and, and the game has been held back because the owners have too much control.
3: Um, I don't really, you know, buy into that. At the end of the day, the owners are the owners. You know, they're the owners of the 12 biggest clubs in, in the sport. You could argue that some of them are in the 12 biggest clubs at a point in time that, you know, is their good fortune, but, you in know. In
0: terms of forward thinking.
3: but but so yeah ultimately well you know they're owning the clubs and they uh, have the right to make those decisions they have the right to decide how the game moves forward however you know I think one of my key responsibilities to help is to help shape that vision I think the yeah. other aspect to it is the owners that I've seen are all pretty much united in the need for change and the need for growth and, and the need for development now of course you only have to go to the 12 clubs and you know they vary dramatically in terms of what they're delivering, rolling their sleeves up, aspiring, living up to the Super League vision. You know, they're all at different places on that. One of my big challenges is going to be to get the ones who are near the bottom of that, you know, up to the mark. And I'm, I'm, you know, I'm not in any way scared of that. Because I think, you know, whether it's the RFL, whether it's whoever, you know, are saying, you know, the biggest single problem isn't whether it's RFL or Super League or whether it's whatever, whatever. It's about... The performance of some of the Super League clubs, and there's a lot of truth in that. And I'm not going to shy away and say these clubs are all flying and performing at the highest level. One of the big challenges is to, you know, make sure uh, they raise their bar, they perform better. We talked you know, before about what we stand for and where we're going as a vision. That will collapse and crumble and fall to the ground unless 12 clubs are buying into it and living and breathing those values. Because I can talk until the cows come home about how you. Respect fans. How you you know fan engagement? How we talk to them? How we respect them? How we look after them on a match day? But if twelve clubs aren't doing it, then it's as hollow as anything, you mm. know. So th- that's a big part of what I need to do. And
1: that's one thing we've discussed on the podcast is 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 those 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 bigger clubs probably not having the capacity to, to go forward with the game and go forward with 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 their spending on players and, and so forth, if because of the smaller clubs holding them back. Like the salary cap's a perfect example. It's not increased with inflation in the last 20 years because the smaller clubs can't afford to compete with the bigger clubs yeah. so they've kind of held the bigger clubs back yeah, hasn't
3: I'm
2: it? fascinated actually yeah. with your f- again football going back to your yeah. football yeah. life How is the salary cap perceived is it something that was even on the radar at, at Premier League clubs no. and and that, that answer in itself so, no. you, so the ultimate
3: m- ultimate free market John and, and nobody's going to dictate to us so we had I mean, we wouldn't have even gone near that. But uh, I mean, that, that, there was an element of, of of wage control based on TV revenues. Yep. But the reality is, when we started talking about homegrown player quotas, uh, and absolutely no interest in that because you know we want to grow our businesses how we see fit. A big part of that is being able to invest in, in product and facilities. Nobody's really going to influence that. And I, you know, so that was very much the environment. Of football. Interestingly, when I've been around all 12 clubs and I've, I've done just about that already, there is no real appetite to uh, certainly abandon a salary cap and I don't sense a huge appetite to increase it. I you know, coming back to what I said about Morris and investing in players you know, I'd love to see us reward our players better I think fundamentally attracting new players, respecting our players is absolutely at the heart of what we should be doing if we can find a way to grow that salary cap in a way that's one thing, doesn't impact on competitive balance because the club's are really keen that we maintain that competitive balance and secondly doesn't jeopardise ourselves economically so we bring more money in and I think absolutely a large chunk of that money has to flow through to the players, that's my personal view. Yeah. And, and
1: on that as well, you just, we discussed salary cap but one common theme we've had in the podcast so far is, is the production of talent in the game. Now a lot of teams don't um, have a, an under-19s academy reserve squad, is that something you'd like to maybe to look to introduce or is that probably not part of your remit, is that more RFL?
3: Um, um, it's a question mark really as to whose remit it is and will become Premier League um, very much got behind an initiative called EPPP Elite Player Performance Pathway and really took control of youth development and the creation of these very very good well resourced well funded academies right now in terms of my agenda it probably isn't top there's an argument that it should be because I, I very much believe that play development is so critical to us But at the moment it probably will stay within rfl remit but it will absolutely need to be a collaboration between super league and the rfl and i think one of the conditions of membership of super league you know needs to be a substantial investment in youth development well resourced well funded and a commitment to bringing through the next generation of players partnerships with local junior clubs all that sort of thing so i see it very much as a collaboration between super league and um, an RFL but if Super League clubs are not pulling their way in respect to youth development then I'm not sure they deserve to be at the table yeah and
1: I completely agree I mean having played at Wigan Saints and some of the bigger clubs and then uh, unfortunately a lot of clubs, Mark. I, I've been around a bit at the minute at Salford we've we've not got the resources to, to have a reserves and an academy and, and we've discussed before about rugby league one of the great strengths it has is its, its relationship between the community and the club yeah. now if supporters don't see young young lads from the local community, the local amateur clubs, on that pathway to play for the first team. I think that's one of the true values that's lost in the game. Uh, uh, Mark, I 100% agree. And I see it every day. It it, it does frustrate me, even though I'm getting on a bit and and I'm I'm a senior
2: player. I I would love to see the local lads coming
3: through. 100% agree. On
2: on the spend on players then, just in the Premier League, I know we're completely different animals and it's wrong to maybe
3: even discuss
2: this, but the journey, 2005, Robert, you went to Everton. Now, you left the this year what was that journey like I think in a couple of things one is maybe the TV deal how was that how did that develop over that time and then also what was your experience of the exciting sort of sexy stuff of that spend on the players on the pitch over that time
3: I mean I'm not sure I remember all the numbers John but I remember a TV deal basically going from 50 to 80 to 130 in about five years that's that's million million that's (laughs) that's brilliant, <laughs> yeah. absolutely yeah. you know I mean we've got a salary cap of 1.6 that's you know I mean that's that's days in terms of what Man City or Man United spend that's you know one day's wage bill I mean it's it's just ridiculous or one and a half day's wage yeah. bill to put it into context half an hour probably these days h- I mean h- how wrong is that mm. you know in s- at so many levels and that's not wrong necessarily for Man United but it's wrong for for John and for Mark and these guys in my Mar- mm. view I fundamentally believe that you know that uh, We caught the tail end of one TV deal at 50. Then you move into a new one for three years, it becomes 80. And then the first year of the next one, 130. 50, 80, 130. What always happens is the rate of increase in TV money reflects straight through into the rate of increase in player wages. It became so big that actually clubs were able to retain some of it. So clubs were most Premier League clubs at the operating level before they bought and sold players are actually profitable. And that's Mm. just a reflection of the sheer scale of the broadcast rights. I was looking at, you know, Premier League, an average Everton player, a good average Everton Premier League player went from 40 grand Mm. to 70 grand within the blink of an eye. It felt like one window. It probably was a bit more than that. But you'd sit down with agents and you'd have a structure that said... You know, our top earners are on 40, 40, 40. Isn't that crazy, though? Just,
0: just to, uh, you, we touched on the perspective of that, but you just said, so one of the, one of the sort of average earners between yeah. 40 to 70 is probably the top earners at somewhere like Salford. Yeah, the, 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 oh, the it, average per, salary per year. year. The average Absolutely. wage <laughs> in, in was it's about mad. 70 grand a yeah, few years yeah. ago. Yeah, no, a, year. a week's wage is a year's wage for a top it player at a, Sky, at a bottom five club.
3: But Sky pay £11 million for every live Premier League game. Yeah. £11 million per game. Then you've got BT on top of that. Then you've got the whole yeah. rest of the world, and you guys know it better than me. Who is creating that value? Who is filling Goodison Park every week? Yeah. Yeah. Who is driving eyeballs in every corner of the planet? It's Sigurdsson. It's it's you know, and, yeah. and these guys, in my view, they deserve it. Now, I suspect if you go back over time, seventy percent of Everton's earnings, fifty years ago, twenty-five years ago, and today, mm. have gone on players. So the mm-hmm. ratio hasn't changed. It's just the earnings have just. Because Premier League football drives pay TV models yeah. all over the planet like nothing else does. I, I, I can probably combine these, the, these, sorry John, these, these
0: two questions. I think it's a good time to bring it in. So you, you, you've been talking about your time at Everton there. What 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 can you? What do you feel? I know you've touched on some of it already, but what do you feel you can bring from football from the Premier League to, to Rugby League? And, and you said to, to Mark's previous question that that, that wasn't, your priority, and I completely understand that because you've got a very long list. Yeah. What is
3: your absolute top priority? <laughs> well, the top priority, as I said, is is preparing for that next broadcast deal. But I've I've been working on a, a you know a, a plan, um, and there's about thirty five things on my to do list, and they're varying levels of priority. And I think one of the challenges I've got is thirty five is too many, and uh, and I need to focus that down. But number one is is around broadcasting there are sections around brand around PR around marketing and that's for me largely about storytelling telling a different story about rugby league refreshing what we stand for and 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 not refreshing what we stand for because what we stand for is bang on refreshing the way in which we tell that story I think there's a section about commercial which looks at broadcasting but it looks at sponsorship it looks at whether we can aggregate commercial rights in a way that attracts national brands let alone international brands you know at the minute the game is devoid of quality uh national brands there's a section on um structures and playing formats and um and rules and and you know well, the
0: super eight is a good time to bring that in so that 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 was one of the first things that obviously publicly came out super 8, super eight's gone next season one up one down simple that was one of the first things you wanted to get out there
3: yeah and that was that was really i mean listen again i think clubs that absolutely made the man up well before i joined and and i went round and i have been going round as i said and met all the clubs and the um the dislike for super late mid lakes is, is, is virtually unanimous and, yeah. and and nobody wanted to go forward with that. I think it was certainly well intended. I think it was certainly, you know, motivated by trying to keep interest in the season going for as long as possible. But the consequences I don't think were fully recognised. Like many things, you don't really know the impact of things until you you try it and, you know, in that way credit to the people who were behind it for having the you know, the guts and the gumption to get it off the ground and run with it. But once we've run with it, I think it has thrown out some problems. So Super League clubs were unanimous almost in their dislike for it. And I think at the press conference, you know, they were keen to get that out there, but were recognising the fact that it needed to be approved. It wasn't a unilateral decision. But ultimately, it's the competition, you know, it's a Super League competition. Uh, This is the competition that's creating the value. And if that competition doesn't like the format, then it has every right to put its hand up and say we want to change it. Now, I accept it can't be unilateral, but uh, equally the tail can't wag the dog here, you know. So, um, so you know, whether, whether, whether it was uh, the grenade going in the room, it probably was. Whether it's the right thing to do, who knows, but, you know, the clubs wanted to put a marker down to say we're not happy with this
0: yeah okay one more big talking point and then we'll get stuck into some questions or some which we've been, we've been promising for the last 20 minutes but there's so much to talk about we could sit here for five hours I know you don't want to um, I'm, I'm no, we don't, no we don't want to <laughs> <laughs> no, we will um, <laughs> <been>. <laughs> thanks John I, I, no I, I mean it's fascinating honestly it's fascinating listening to, to what you've got to say um,
3: <laughs> at least one of you is <laughs> <laughs> well, Mark, Ma- 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 Mark's face looks <laughs> no, like I that all the time I five
2: hours wrong. it might be a bit excessive <laughs> by the end of five I think we get to the five hour marathon and we, you know, we're all going to be
0: questioning. We're all going to be <laughs> the, lo- the last time you met Mark was he, he was seven, but his face always looks like that, so he, he doesn't. You know, he, he's, he's like an old compact computer. It's you getting know, when more and, it and more down. like his dad uh, every minute, <laughs> and his haircut is as well. <laughs> hey. um, Eddie Hearn, have you had any contact with Eddie Hearn? No. no. Are you interested in having any contact with Eddie Hearn?
3: I, I'm, I'm very open-minded. Uh, Do you know how about... interested he is
0: in, in having contact with you? Because we've had him on the podcast.
3: Okay. Well, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm very open-minded. But, you know, when people talk to me about... I'm, I'm nervous about our, how our game is presented. You know, our game has got some real quality about it. It's professional. It's meaningful. Um, we shouldn't trivialise it. And I'm not saying in any way, whether it's darts or whatever, it's trivialised. Uh, it's showbiz. I think we need some showbiz. Of course we do. Mm. But it's also, you know... I think it's serious, it's, proper business. it's, it's, it's a proper sport, and mm. I, don't, I don't want us to... Boxing's a proper I don't want, sport. Of course it is, It costs it is. there's a pantomime aspect to it. But I don't want to cheapen it, I don't want to cheapen it. Yeah, I, yeah, we, yeah. we cannot cheapen our sport. Yeah. We've, got to, we've got to set the bar higher than that, and I'm not saying for one minute, whoever it is, Eddie Hearn or boxing or whatever, do that. But I, don't want to set the I want to set the bar really, really high. And that's about quality, that's about professionalism, that's about yeah. detail. It's, but it's not it's about razzmatazz. people as well, Rob, because,
0: you know, Eddie's first thing that he said to us was, it's not sexy to go to rugby league anymore.
3: Well, we have to make it sexy, but it's how you define that, isn't it? You know, I, I look at, you know, one of the things that always gives me great hope about the future of our sport is I watch NRL, I watch State of Origin, and that's the best rugby on the planet without a doubt rugby union whatever it is it's the best rugby it's amazing they don't put bells and whistles they don't and there's an element of that of course there is you know but it stands and lives and dies by the quality of the product and that's what we need to do and i'm not saying for one minute we don't need to make it sexy we do we don't need a bit of showbiz we do but i come back to this more sophisticated approach to that which you know listen i'm an accountant from barnsley i'm not a marketeer But I think our sport, in terms of how it's perceived, you know, we sit in the north of England. The north of England is absolutely on the march. 30 years ago, it was decimated, it was slaughtered, it was wiped out, and it's taken 30 years for the north of England to get back on its feet again and say, we're here, we're proud, we're on the move, we can go toe-to-toe with anybody else. That feels to have so many parallels what our sport should do. And let's do it from that state of authority, assuredness, knowledge, you know, we don't we don't have to change, we just be ourselves and that's what I want the sport to do. And that you know, maybe that's sounding all woolly and whatever. I'd love to find a really great marketing director who can bounce that off me, kick it around, refine it, and then let's go and tell the world we're on the move. And we had this chat just before we came on
2: actually and started about the modern north. Yeah. About this concept of the modern north. Yeah. And that's that's interesting. Me and Mark are in business in the north. we yeah. Look, you, you just look at Manchester, the amount of cranes, the amount of innovation, the amount of. 64,
0: by the way, cranes. I counted them you from them? Count uh,
2: counted
3: 360 How sad are you degrees. No, cranes. You're right, John, but creativity, innovation, That's all of that sort yeah. of stuff. So, yeah. I i mean, listen, you guys are a really great example of that. I went to see a guy called Lee Hickin, who runs uh, the City Talks, a media company yes. that made the Leeds uh, Rhinos film. And I had a Now with him. And I sat there, I look at a young guy who's bang on in terms of youth culture. And I'm thinking this is the future of our sport. You know, people like him, people like you, are what are going to lead this sport into, you know, into the future. And we need dynamism. We need youthfulness. We need energy, um, and we need to be proud and ambitious in what we do. I'm so just to follow that page, page.
0: Would, I mean, you, know, you made your points very clearly there. But would, would you would you be open to an idea with a meeting with Eddie to see what he had to say? Of course. Yeah. Absol- I've said
3: absolutely. First I, I'm really open-minded. This sport cannot be mm. sniffy about where he gets his ideas from and clearly nobody has a monopoly on great ideas, so of course I'd have oh, that. And point.
1: one thing he said when we spoke to him was he didn't have much of an idea about rugby league now. But the only rugby league player he could name a was, but, was, Jamie, was Peacock. Jamie Peacock. But he did say he, he remembers Wigan during the 90's when they won everything. Mm-hmm. Well, and it was Morris, something that, was Morris Morris Lindsay. that you alluded to, he created yeah. superstars yeah. and he created, created a profile and role models for yep. kids and he said that was one thing that he probably sees uh, from rugby league from the outside is creating those yeah. superstars for kids He said
0: his dad Barry did it with Snooker you yeah, know, yeah, Dennis yeah. Taylor yeah, Steve is. Davis but these I'll guys have had back, personalities I'll throw
3: that back to you guys because you know you'll all sit in dressing rooms with amazing characters amazing athletes super witty guys razor sharp guys really nice guys they're all over our sport yeah, you yeah. know how do we get them and, and it's, you know, it's not down, to, of course it's not, I don't mean it's down to you, but you know, social media presents us with all sorts of great opportunities in that regard. However, you, you know, I'm not somebody who frequents that world, but yeah. it's also cluttered and there's, yeah. you know, everybody else is trying to do it, but we've got the raw material. Uh, we've just got to absolutely showcase it. And one of the things I want to do, and it's on my action plan is, you know, and it's probably totally the wrong words and probably really old fashioned words, but the poster boys of the game, you know, the five yeah. or six players who are going to take our game forward over the next 10 years, uh, Who are they and how do we work collaboratively with clubs, Super League, RFL to make sure they are that, you know, uh, on the national agenda. It's what we said about before. I've never known the game as far off the national agenda as it is today. Yeah. And whether that's a combination of the, you know, the great Wigan team of the, you know, 80s and 90s that were winning sports team of the year and all that sort of stuff. Whether it was influx of some amazing rugby union talent. but right now you know my mates outside the game would really really struggle and that's such an indictment on the sport mm. but it's also so unfair on the talented players who are you know or playing the game yeah. you know we owe it to them as much as we do to ourselves yeah
2: we, we need to we need to establish household names you know national household names yeah and that and i think it, it's a joined up approach again we talked it's about like unity unity, yeah. unity is, is yeah it's the clubs it's the governing body it's the players it's we yeah. all need to come together and think, well, yeah. what, like, what is it? We, we've got some really amazing things that we have yeah. above and beyond other sports that other sports would pay yeah, millions and absolutely. millions of pounds to have the yeah. connection which our sports people have with their communities. Yeah. Now, yeah. the challenge for me remains breaking... I can walk down the street in St. Helens yeah. yeah. and somebody will stop you and be blown yeah. away and yeah. love love you. You know, I, I was... Uh, uh, I was in New York uh, years back, and there was uh, we were at the Statue of Liberty, and I saw there's a Saint Helens shirt walks round yeah. the corner, and that one yeah, person yeah, yeah. in New York yeah. was, oh my God, like <laughs> this is like unbelievable. <laughs> no, I'm not no, no I was with Nick Fozard. <laughs> <All right. laughs> <laughs> no, <I love> <laughs> no, but so the, but we need then to then jump that from just people who are nuts about rugby, yeah. to the casual fans, and how yeah. we make us. A, and and i think actually utilizing how approachable we can be and how uh, much access the people can get but then also retaining
3: yeah you're right john maybe you know it's 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 probably very self-indulgent and you know but genuinely we are decent people who are in the sport united by a common set of values which are around decency, integrity, yeah. inclusion, all those sorts of things. And the fact They're that these guys are so approachable, <laughs> I guess. No, isn't it? But in, in all Absolutely. seriousness, you couldn't go Absolutely. up to Gil for so, in the street so, and say, so, you know, let's go and exactly. have a beer. Exactly. So, so what do broadcasters, brands, people want to be associated with? Mm. Values and people like that. Mm. Absolutely. So we've, we've, we've got it all there. I said, you know, I'm repeating it, but I said at the press conference there were three things that really stood out for me. One was a Man of the Steel and at uh, the Man of Steel when the Air Commodore said, your players are the closest thing i've ever seen to my elite soldiers Mm. and i'm thinking wow that's a big Mm -hmm. endorsement fred Doan stood up and said i've never worked with a sport as good as this Mm. and then i remember listening to uh, scott quinnell at the end of magic interrupting it and saying, i've got to get this out i've got to get out these people are the nicest people in the world and Mm. as he looked around the stadium forty thousand people in orange trilby hats and Mm. whatever he's saying these people are the salt of the earth yeah so you've got a lot going for you there you've got Really genuine people. You've got brilliant athletes, and you've got great sports. There's a lot going for yeah. us.
0: Well shall, shall we hear from some of them? Let's <laughs> rattle through some. Because and listen, well, I think the best format to do this is rather than everyone gets stuck in because we will be here for five hours and it will be a long <laughs> marathon. Um, let's give oh, you. What well, I mean, minute gets kickoff? It is the kickoff. I know. I'll, I'll get. The, I'll off? get the game on the screen for us here so we can watch <laughs> it. But um, Rob, I tell you what. Let's just fire through them 20-30 second answers because some of them overlap a little bit but there's there's some really good questions yeah Yeah. no no no. there's some really great questions but there's so many questions so I'm gonna try and edit them with my eyes first one here on Twitter Gary Ormiston who says when will the powers that be kick Thursdays into touch a reason season ticket and attendances are down
3: I get the fact that Thursdays are difficult for fans what I what I what I do know is Thursday is a good night uh, for the TV audience maybe the two are linked there but the Thursday night works I think for Sky I think audience figures are good uh, and at the end of the day you know we have to deliver for our broadcast partners not ideal for uh, a lot of fans but you know um, you know I guess I had the same at Everton when you'd move a game to a Monday night with six weeks notice it wasn't great but you know I think there's a recognition in sport today that the broadcasters are putting so much into the sport that then you know we need to look after them. So I think we have to prioritise what they want.
2: Yeah, and Thursdays perform better, if I'm not wrong, than Saturdays. Yeah. The reason we changed it was we were looking yeah. for a formula because Saturdays yeah. would be Well, becoming there was nothing else
3: on a Thursday
1: night, so they might as well watch
2: rugby league. Mm. Well, yeah, a, lot, Saturday, a lot of time, was, there, was there was no a, competition was lot, though, wasn't there? There was a lot of competition on Saturday. I, I don't know actually. if this is
0: your, your input, but ton, Tony Pennington says, uh, if Toronto get promoted, will they be playing home and away or doing block fixtures?
3: that's a good question we don't i don't know the answer to that i've asked the question i think you know we've got a board meeting coming up in a week's time and i've asked for a report on toronto i've asked for due diligence done today i've asked for projected future due diligence i've asked for um uh, what the promised terms are in terms of any commercial arrangements and i've asked for where they sit in regard of minimum standards Mm -hmm. and one of the minimum standards i think, is. Is playing a a home away season so I don't know the answers to that it's a good question I think Toronto is you know uh, an opportunity for us but um, do they excite you
2: those those opportunities or are you really honestly
3: John they probably make me slightly nervous because in one sense they can be exciting but you know anybody who's been in the sport a long time knows that there isn't a great track record in terms of making those expansions stick we are ultimately backing the intentions and actions of one individual. His actions today, I think, have been positive. His intentions are great today, but we can't be certain they're gonna be great in five years time. Now we can't afford to, I don't think, turn our back on anybody in that respect. It is clearly very random. You talk about expansion, you would go where there's a natural footprint of players, participation, audience. There isn't that. But there's a guy who's prepared, seemingly, to invest in making sure there is a future there so I think we have to uh, proceed with optimism but a degree of caution on yeah. it so
2: Dave, uh, Dave Woods actually did um, a piece on Coventry Bears about are they the model for expansion in rugby league and it's on the I think it's on the Radio 5 Live podcast the rugby league podcast mm. and, and that topic of growth for me is interesting yeah. because we're a game obsessed with growth yeah. the concept of growth yeah. Now growth for half our game or people in our game is scary and for others it's exciting and, yeah. and there's a challenge that comes with there growing, is, isn't
3: there? There is, there is John, and it's a really good question, it's a really difficult one, there isn't, there isn't an easy answer to it. Growth has to be good uh, because growth means more fans, more revenue, so in that sense you embrace, it's what we need, we crave that increase in, in interest and, uh, and, and commercial interest, So we, but you would look at it, I think if the game wishes to stimulate that, and invest in it and put money behind it and it's something we haven't done well because we've tried to grow it but we've tried to grow it without you know one arm tied behind its back we've we've made it really difficult financially for clubs paris was a great example of that you know it was short term we we didn't give them any help we didn't really give them any advantage and when they fail lo and behold you know, you know what, what what do you expect but if you're gonna invest time resource and money in it then you have to be certain that there are some foundations and some routes to building so whether it's southwest france
0: well, on that subject, and John and Mark have completely missed the point here because we're supposed to rattle through these questions because it's about, about the people. You've had all, you've had your say. You've had you know an hour and a half. Of Sorry, I was already Sorry. pretty bored of you. Uh, Sorry. No, no, Sorry. no. You're I'm the reason. To you're, the, you're the, you're the no, reason. I'm not talking. It's Will. It's just aimed at Wilkins He loves the sound of zone boys. voice not polite No, no, it's me. Honestly, They're trying to get me. your time to shine, No, no, it's Rob's time to shine. So Neil McKeon says, shouldn't we go to 14 clubs, including Toulouse, Toronto, if Wolfpack can bring TV? deal as a French derby might bring more revenue people saying that there's no talent are wrong we're basically running uh, now with lead to lose Toronto play home away and challenge cup and playoffs
3: Listen, I think I really like the idea of Toulouse having just come back from a weekend in Perpignan to create a local derby down there to expand the footprint there would be terrific you know immediate thought was to play magic in Toulouse I think they've got a really good football stadium now we're talking yeah. that's a great <laughs> idea <laughs> isn't it I, like, I, 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 idea. I, I, I think that's you know I, I was in Pepignan and I hadn't realised just what a rugby town it was it clashed with France and Argentina like I said before and the interest was all in Catalans against Castleford which is, 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 pretty, is pretty unique as for expanding the number of teams um I I would probably challenge whether there is that quality in terms of our player base to do it. Um, I come back to what I said before about the most important thing we can do is put the best possible product in front of a range of broadcast partners and we can't dilute it. We can't have stadiums with 1,500, 2,000 fans in it. We can't have playing squads that you know six or seven weeks in, once they get hit by injuries, are looking really, really thin. We can't risk the product in that re- re- regard. So I'm probably erring towards, uh, you know, 12 or maybe even smaller, just to make sure we have that depth and that quality um, to go to market with. Robert
0: Hughes says, have the Super League clubs allocated a budget for his department marketing uh, from their own revenue streams in bracket sky? And if so, how much is the war chest?
3: Repeat the question, Will, sorry. So,
0: so Robert Hughes says, have the Super League clubs allocated a budget for your department marketing from their own revenue streams in bracket sky and if so, how much is the war chest? I
3: come back. I come back to what I said about you, uh,
0: you, This is like PMQs, isn't it? Repeat the question when he wants some more time to think about the answer. Repeat I, the question. I don't like the war chest. No, I love war, war chest. War chest felt
2: a bit <laughs> <It's> <laughs> <like> <laughs> Game of Thrones or <laughs> something. <laughs>
3: Robert and his war chest. <laughs> if, you're, if you're in League, you know one thing: there are no war chests <laughs> talking <There nothing laughs> about. Is, it's a war. If there is, I'm going to try and find it, but I've never seen a war chest yet. The 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 issue really is. You know, out of our money or out of sky monies. And it comes back to what I said before, really, about allocation of monies. And Super League clubs are getting, in my view, uh, a smaller scare, share of the money than they deserve. And in that sense, there is a marketing budget that sits in the game. It is, in my view, being funded by Super League out of the sky deal. Um, I think my job is to make sure you know we get the best possible value money from money from that. Okay. Uh,
1: just a quick one. When is the the TV rights due to be renewed?
3: Uh, there's three more three more seasons. Three 19, more. 19, oh 20, wow. so that's a long time. It it yeah. is, yeah. but um, but it's time to build absolutely. Absolutely a better product in order to negotiate? The Sky are great, aren't they? let the Sky do a great job. Absolutely. I mean, we um, we owe so much to Sky. Sky believed in us from day one, and Sky have consistently. Uh, support of rugby league and believe in rugby league and you know we owe them um, we owe them a great deal in that, in that respect you know I'm seeing Sky uh, tomorrow and I'm really interested to find out what Barney Francis yeah yeah, yeah. and really try, interested to find out where he sees the game and how we can deliver more and better for them you know I think we need to look at how the game is presented on Sky and and, and you know I think that's a really important part we talked about brand we talked about how we perceived and, we, and we've got to make sure that our primary broadcaster you know in uh, moves with us in that respect
0: mm. bit of color a couple of girls just waving goodbye uh, to, to mark and john here both married is there any sort of anything we should know <laughs> sorry well, well i thought well it, was it was me and you, <laughs> <Yeah>, you <laughs> what well, was the pregnant right mark f i hope it's not mark flanagan when will super league clubs, super league and sky start listening to the fans same sort of question but no thursday night games a lot of people think that the structure at that like the structure as it is reserves back i could go on you've touched on the thursday night stuff already but in terms of listening to fans
3: we, we we you know listening to fans is number one job we every club must you know invest and spend time listening to fans. one of the things that we did at everton in my view better than any other club was fan engagement fans forums fan panels i, I was always accessible i'm always you know if, if fans want to contact me at super league Please do, you know. Give out your mobile number. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, well, in all seriousness, I, you know, welcome the feedback and opinion of fans, you know, and, and clubs, all our clubs need to embrace it, be brave enough to invite feedback. Most importantly, they need to be able to react and change on the back of feedback. It can't just be lip service. You know, I think a lot of football clubs will, will have a big fan service department and send a very nice letter back the most important thing is how you change and how you react to that feedback mm. and our clubs need to do that so fans have to be at the heart of everything we do um, and if we're not listening then we need to improve well, i think uh, just with,
2: with everton robbie you, m- you mentioned there the the I, I think of all the premier league clubs that i went to in maybe the last 10 years or so i've been to numerous Everton was the closest to a rugby league club in yeah. its mentality and yeah. now obviously with you yeah. at the helm making sort of management decisions yeah, yeah. it made sense to me that when I came to understand it yeah, yeah. is it felt warm approachable I went and did hospitality we
1: after speaking though, and it was yeah. just like being Castleford Wakefield yeah, yeah,
2: Helens yeah. it was such a community vibe but with a world class product yeah, on yeah. the field yeah. and world class brands involved
3: and what I hope John is also a level of you know professionalism and yes yeah. you know at Everton I think when I first joined there was that sort of with a people's club and there's a there's a slightly uh, there's a danger that becomes slightly sloppy that it's it, being really professional and being community and people's and whatever it is uh, go hand in hand you don't you, you have to retain that professionalism that attention to detail that doesn't make you corporate and business which means you can't be community and people the two have to blend together and I think uh, I think that's the key for the game because the game is all those things you said but we've got to be ultra professional we've got to have great attention to detail we've all got to roll our sleeves up we talked before about you know my time in Catalan at the weekend and what I saw there was a club that is really working hard yeah, that is yeah. rolling its sleeves up where details matter you know where they're really proud of what they're achieving prides are really but you know, at Everton we had this mission statement which was making Evertonians proud to be blue and we've got to make rugby league fans proud of their sport and mm. that is about communication it's about detail it's about going the extra mile it's about all those things so it's you know about raising those standards yeah
0: maybe a good time to bring in this question there from Liam Doyle who says is there potential for Premier League teams to formally link with rugby league clubs to provide off uh, season ticket promotions when the football season finishes for example Everton linking with Warrington Saints Wigan etc and that their season ticket database could be accessed by the rugby league clubs
3: I, I mean I think it's one of those things that you know theoretically sounds good sounds eminently sensible and I don't mean that in a patronising way I know Saints tried very hard to link with the Liverpool and Everton to see whether there's opportunities to you know for shared season tickets or linked up season tickets I just don't think there's a lot of uh, traction in that regard I think the two are very discreet Um, I think it's a very different audience whether that means you're shutting out a potential audience Saints work so hard to grow their club in Merseyside I don't know if they've had a great deal of success that maybe sounds a bit defeatist but yeah no it's a it's a different it's a different crowd I think what we need to do is learn from football yeah we've got a we've got a commercial managers meeting at Super League at the end of July and I just this morning rang the Everton marketing direction said would you come and do an hour on our learnings on season ticket campaigns so looking at season tickets and thinking who's at risk who might churn out where do you go for the low hanging fruit so he's going to come into super league and talk for an hour on targeting retention strategies and so i think we can learn a lot from football in that regard and i'm keen you know do, keen do we have it.
2: targeting and retention strategies do we do the clubs i don't know John. i think yeah. it, i think it probably differs from club to club no, it? I, I mean yeah. I wonder, that, I mean, I, I, we, we probably do at the top level, I just wonder how commonplace it is. And that, that again, without, um, you know, sort of talking you up too much, Robert, that is what the game is invested yeah. in here with yourself, yeah. is, is to yeah. Well, to what I learned at
3: Everton, John, was really interesting in respect to season tickets. We had fans who were season ticket holders who would churn out for the first season and virtually stop coming. So you either went to 19 games religiously, you were happy to pay 550 quid, and you went from that down to zero. And it showed to me, told me, you know, the importance of season ticket retention. Because you don't get this halfway house. And again, you know, those, sharing some of those learnings listen, hopefully can uh, be helpful in rugby league
0: so yeah. we, d- we talked about the TV deal earlier and th- another question which is an interesting one Torp77 is the current Sky TV deal harmful to the rugby league and spreading the word to a wider audience the odd challenge cup gain and the Super League show on BBC presented by Will Perry isn't it great that we've uh, sometimes got it, when it, really struggling. during July isn't really it great that really we've really got struggling. somebody who went to school with Winston Churchill presenting the Super no, League they didn't go right?
2: to
3: school with Winston Churchill <laughs> same, oh, school. Didn't same, go to same school same, same school, school. <laughs> same school <laughs> Same bedroom. We've been over there. The weren't we one Winston's in my school. That's what <laughs> 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 um, and then he goes on to say, <laughs> uh, you know, that isn't enough to build it the player team. <laughs> <laughs> that
0: isn't enough to build the player team recognition that the game deserves amongst younger potential fans, don't we? So I'm cool as fuck. I'm going to be, you know, I'm, I'm taking it to a whole it's,
3: new. It's an argument got a point? that I hear regularly. Used to hear it a lot in football, and I think Sky maybe was a little bit niche in that regard and had limited range years ago, but I think Sky has now got much broader and wider penetration than probably people give it credit for. I don't know exactly how many homes have got Sky, but it's no longer this niche broadcaster that keeps sport a secret. Um, But ultimately, it does come down to pound shilling and pence. And in in, in football terms, it was interesting because Premier League has always had the debate about China should we go to a free-to-air broadcaster in China and get millions of eyeballs and build loads of fans and get loads of money from sponsorship Mm. or should we go to a niche pay TV company that you know screen it to a million Chinese people that were prepared to pay millions of pounds for the rights yeah and my view sadly money money money. was always take the money because sport is the most short-term business in the world the most important thing is paying next week's wage bill yeah and sports ability to capitalize on those billions of eyeballs so if we were in you know, millions of homes in the UK. Could we generate bigger sponsorship numbers? Could we bigger Absolutely. fan bases? Possibly, yeah. but you know, track record to date says we're not great at taking advantage of all those yeah. eyeballs. And so take the cash today. Now that's, it's not quite as black and white as that, but you know, Broadly, that's where I am on it.
0: David, uh, David Watkiss says, I work for local radio covering Keithley Cougars. Many issues in League One. Will a Super League restructuring help these clubs or will 117 years of heritage be cut adrift?
3: I mean, I think when I first worked in Rugby League, uh, Morris announced new Super League and mergers and all that sort of thing. And I remember one day at Chapeltown Road, barricading ourselves in under a protest from angry Keithley Cougar fans so uh, that wasn't you know a great day and Keithley I think were due to be promoted and been shut out I, I listen. I, I think the game has to respect all the stakeholders in the game they have to reflect the contributions made far and wide um, I think what we need to do like I said before is is reward reward where value has been created where we've got people playing and people watching and if we were, could be more precise about where we earmark that and again like I said it doesn't necessarily follow that map flows necessarily into Super League but I'm certainly not going to be taking money out of Super League in that respect but what I would say is what we have made is a commitment that there'll be no reduction in funding Mm. into Championship between now and the next broadcast deal what we're also prepared to say is if we get the same TV deal or better we'll continue at that level of funding so in that sense Championship money Keithley's money is protected for the current broadcast deal and a future one as long as we get the same or more in terms of TV revenues.
0: David, feel free to take that as a clip. You don't have to ask us. You can stick that on your radio station. Cut that off. Um, Robert Gummerson, what idea does he have for the league leaders to have more recognition for their achievement Bigger over a full season? Maybe. <laughs>
3: <laughs> well, is that a, an issue? Is that as? A, as, as uh, no, no. Listen, you guys I'd, probably I'd, better me I don't than think me.
2: that isn't an issue. If anything, when Cass won it last year and. I felt like we put a load of production it was a bit overhyped it. it was it was too much and they had a, we've made it where the grand final is the big game I, I, I'm a fan of celebrating the league leader shield and and we I've been fortunate enough to win it five five times in my career well, but one. One. I felt like the way cast were and it wasn't down to them I think there was a lot of production went into it from yeah. maybe the governing body and whatnot yeah, yeah I felt that set them up to lose yeah in John, the grand I final
3: I, I get that John and I think what they should have been saying is job half done and maybe they weren't saying job half done you know I, I as a Cast fan it, it, it wasn't the end of the road and, and maybe we overhyped it and it became the end of the road so I don't know listen very clearly we made a decision that the team that wins the grand final is the best team in the league and the yeah. champions and we should stick with that I, I, I agree
0: yeah uh, Kevin Archer says, is the game now too fast for one on-field referee? It seems very difficult for one ref to be able to see both sides of the rug and check all the other aspects of the game. Yeah. The job to me seems impossible without help from a second pair of eyes.
3: I mean, again, I, I, I defer to, to John and Mark's judgment on this. I, I, Like I said, I watch a lot of NRL and I just think it seems to me better ref, whether that's because um, there's two refs on the field or whether it's because there are more better refs in in the NRL it's possibly a bit of both I mean I look at a number of rules there. you know I look at the way in which we have shot clocks uh, they have shot clocks I look at video screen at every game I look at golden point I look at two referees on the pitch for me they they've been thoroughly tested and they seem to be working therefore why won't we adopt each one of those I on the face of it really like the idea of two referees um, people will say you know can we afford it which Crikey is an indictment if we can't afford to put a second referee on the pitch, Mm. you know, more pertinently have we got the quality, but bite the bullet, get on with it, do it, you know, Mm. we could wait three years until we get the quality and then, so so, uh, for for me I'd be a sport of it, but again, John and Mark, guys quickly, just very quickly,
2: well yeah, I I think we should, TV screens interest me, The, the, the video ref at every game, more cameras at every game, you know, better highlights packages as yeah, a result this, of more we? cameras. The
1: NRL mark themselves so well with all the flick passes, the wonderful tries on highlights reels that they, they share on Facebook, Instagrams, all social media. Yeah. Now tackles, hits. Yeah, there's, yeah. there's hits and it's, it's so well shared to audiences that aren't dedicated to rugby league. And I think one thing that probably might hold us back is the fact that we have to rely on two two Sky matches a weekend for those those highlights reels. And it's it's one way of Showing the product to a, to a broader audience.
3: Yeah, it is. It is. I absolutely agree with you, Mark. I think, however, you know, it will probably be a question of money, and it will be down to me if you know we believe in it strongly enough. If we believe it will enhance the product to sell it to the clubs as an investment that will pay dividends with, you know, better media revenues, better interest levels. You know, ultimately they will look at, you know, how's it much is it going to cost me next year, and mm. what will that mean in terms of coming off the bottom line. You know, I've got to try and encourage as far as I possibly can. You know,
0: a more progressive view. Yeah. On well, on, on that subject. Um, so this gentleman started ordering some more wine. I just hit you by accident, the waiter. No, okay. Actually, Mark, do you want
3: another wine? No, I'm fine. Thank no. you. No, I'm John, right. the drink. No, I'm fine, Will. Sure. Thank you. No, I'm okay. all right. Thank it's you, Nearly half time. isn't is nearly half time. <laughs> <laughs> at least I've got the
0: game on for you. Look, look at this. Put my iPad up on the. Yeah, setting. just, just, it's currently nil, just a bit in the picture here. Yeah.
2: Um, yeah, Will has set his iPad up as a, as a big screen. Um, well, you did agree to the five and a half hours. I think Will's it lovely, taking no, it. We literally. haven't looked that. I've just worked out that.
3: we're in red and not yellow. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> a, are you serious? <laughs> no, I'm not serious.
0: You know, it was <laughs> 20 years ago this week. Remember England Columbia, France 98, Beckham's scored A free kick, yep. 20 years ago this week. But they're we're very good. All at getting well. Well. I was and down we're at Castle that night. Were you, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, well right. um, Rick Waller says, Wasn't he on the X Factor? Rick Waller, wasn't he the fat guy at the X Factor? Yeah, yeah. big rugby league, league
1: fan. Did you know Sharon Stone, supports Witness? We've uh, <laughs> <laughs> got we've unearthed a few celebrity, um, <laughs> yeah, might, fans. um, Rick says, Is it simple, isn't it?
0: Replace all of our sponsorship deals, bachelors. And waitrose finest typhoon twinings betfred with some kind of venture capital company so okay, kind
3: of upgrading our sponsors he's a smarter man than me let's <laughs> let's get him in and I'll have a word with him surely
0: you want to embrace all those names that he's mentioned don't you and kind of say well of if you'd like we do. yeah
3: of course we, we should look after all our partners most important thing we can do is look after all of them make sure they want to come back and spend more money with us i think we've got a good team of people actually who are doing that and i think we look after them you know, exceptionally well. We 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 cannot afford to turn our back on any partner. And uh, Chang, Chang
2: Beer stayed with Everton <laughs> for a long time, did, they did, didn't they? they did. Right, and John. why?
3: Thirteen years because we uh, we recognised that it was an investment on their part that they needed to get a return mm-hmm. on. And we sat down with them on a regular basis. Said, "Are you getting value for money? It's about delivering value for money." say so I'm going to see Sky tomorrow. The first question is, you know, are you getting value for money? And if you're not, how can we do it? So we yeah. we and listen, it's the same approach with our fans. You know. Uh, you know we've got to recognize it's a partnership and it's not just it's not a donation so mm.
0: um, well look, look at the Far East I mean whether that's an, an idea I remember when you guys had Lee Tier and you played my team Manchester City we had Sunji High, that was the biggest TV audience yeah, I think well, of all was, time For yeah. still to date I think and your pre-season tours yeah. in Thailand yeah, yeah. I've been to the island of Koh Chang where yeah, the brewery is And yeah. you know that I mean just just to be able to tap into that market yeah no no no
3: absolutely and we well, listen I mean we about a year after we signed the deal, uh, the tsunami hit, and we immediately, the fans raised about £120,000. Then there's some floods in Bangkok, and we, we shipped out a load of blankets, and it, it's that sort of relationship. I, I also went to that brewery, and uh, they, they showed me around, and, and you know they're so proud of this brewery. And I'm thinking, you know, it's like 90-odd degrees, and I'm mm. in my suit, and I'm like smiling, and yeah, it's great, it's great. And they showed me their drinks cabinet. And it, and on the top, cal, uh, you know, top row, they've got all these really glossy, sparkly bottles. They make loads of spirits as well. And as it went down, they got to the bottom row, and there were like these medicine bottles with. Clearly, very, very strong stuff in it. Hmm. And they said that was the preference drink of their lorry drivers. <laughs> <laughs> the, which, the delivery driver. Which, which, which did make me wonder about <laughs> going out for a run that night. was. <laughs> well, <laughs> I'll tell you what, look, my, my
0: BBC contract's up soon, so I'll come and work for you at the Super League because I've already got the idea. What we need to find is a Super League lead tier and Sunji High. Can you Absolutely. imagine? Can Absolutely. you imagine how far we could ta- tap into a Chinese, a Far East Super League player?
1: Well, Jake Shorrocks, who's on loan uh, from Wigan at, at Sol for the minute, is quad. Quarter
0: quarter, yeah, that doesn't work. Okay. I think Mark. He's got oh, to be full-blown. I think. Oh, sorry, I'll tell, um, you, I'll tell him well. he's not welcome. Yeah, though. he's not welcome. <laughs> uh, his granddad, maybe, if he's still playing.
3: <laughs> that I didn't get much traction, did it? <laughs> uh,
0: Lee Whitnell says, "What's the most simple thing that Rob has identified that football does really well and rugby league does really badly, and how easy will it be to fix?"
3: Um, it's probably not a simple thing, but the Premier League, the whole Premier League mantra has been about investment in product. It's about a virtuous circle where revenue is invested in playing talent and facilities to create a compelling product that gets sold back to the broadcaster to make more money. So this wonderful virtuous circle where money comes in, creates, you know, the best possible product, facilities, players, and the way in which the game's packaged and showcased. It's trying to recreate that virtuous circle, so that means that we are constantly taking revenue and investing in young talent, developing talent, bringing the best players in we can, trying to improve our facilities at the same time, which isn't always easy out of operating money. You know that, you know, uh, that that's a challenge. Facilities are a big challenge. But if we can create some of that, then you know that that's heading in the right direction. There's a lot in the Premier League. You know, that, uh, like I said before, about that attention to detail, that focus on branding, that being ultra professional. But again go back 20 years ago and you know Premier League football wasn't all that so it's taken time and I think for me the more I think about it's it that standard it's that detail it's that hard work that mm. I think really we need to take with us
0: let's rattle through uh, a few more Captain Jibbers big big fan of the podcast you're the not show. aware of Captain Jibbers Rob but he's, he's a big rugby league fan where's Jibbers from is he he's London he's a southerner isn't he? he's Yeah, southern. Yeah. southern. See, look, they're everywhere southern. they're everywhere these rugby yeah. league fans south he's, of Warrington uh, south of, so, south south of, of Stoke-on-Trent <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, he says what is Robert Elston's five year vision for <laughs> rugby oh God, league you've only got 20 seconds <laughs> Both domestic and international tournaments. Is the RFL in its current format too weak to deal with Super League clubs fractured and individual agendas? That's How will a, this be overcome? Yeah, 20 a, seconds.
3: Yeah, that's a question. <laughs> is that, <laughs> that? was a
2: de-
0: that's, an hour, de- that's an hour's answer, isn't it? Yeah.
3: Uh, you know, uh, vision. You know, there's all sorts of layers of what that means. A really it's a bit of a level. wanky I, word, though, isn't it? You know, vision. Uh, w- what I want is a sport that our fans are proud of. Mm. I want to create and develop and promote a sport that our fans are proud of, that inspires communities, brings communities together, a competitive and compelling competition that, that, that galvanizes our sport and therefore attracts investment and growth. You know, that, uh, we can go into masses and masses of detail on that. The international agenda, I think, is important, but at the moment, for me, it's far too fragmented. It's, it's, you know, for me, and, and, and listen, I, I, I apologize to anybody who I'm getting this wrong or I'm insulting or whatever but I think we've created, we seemingly try to create as many different national countries as possible to populate a World Cup Mm. and talk about tail wagging dog or we've got to have this World Cup to have a World Cup that's credible you need loads of teams how do we splinter our teams down to create a World Cup, talk about arse about face, Mm. you know that's the way I read it and I think we've got to be more confident about what our international footprint looks like and and believe in it and backing it you know i grew up as you know the guys did on you know australian tours that i will remember till the day i die now the australian tour is gone but i think there's so much we can leverage in terms of the nrl over here the, the, you know the world's greatest players and and the more we can bring them to our shores in an international format that works you know for me it's about great britain then then that's an opportunity i yeah, think yeah. we just we just it's, our international structure to me feels really fake, and as I said, I apologise, and that's harsh.
2: No, no. but it doesn't feel genuine. I, I, I would complete, I completely concur with what you're yeah. saying about yeah. about how we present things. Where we're creating an illusion of scale yeah. that isn't there yeah. and anybody who knows anything knows that, that yeah. realistically it, it, it may be in pockets rugby league is played in ireland yeah. it is yeah. and in scotland it is in pockets yeah. and there's lots of dedicated volunteers who yeah. make that happen and Absolutely right we're not John. there's not being critical of them right, but let's be honest it's not genuinely played yeah. in those countries yeah. Yeah. And, and loved and yeah. to the point where we send a team to an international competition yeah. and really say that this is representing our country, yeah. because it isn't. No, John, and, 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 and that's an issue we've created. Let, let, let me
0: combine these next two questions. Nick's, Nick Weston says, uh, greetings, Rob Elston. How does the game attract more middle class folk in brackets like myself and not Will Perry and his red trouser mob, who theoretically have cash to spend and want to attend events in inverted commas? Theoretically,
2: or has, has, he got, has Nick
0: got cash <laughs> to spend? <laughs> we need to establish whether he has actually yeah. got yeah. cash. we got to do due diligence. And, and, and similarly, <laughs> the brands they recognise with um and so so that's from nick weston and along the same sort of lines in the uk the game is synonymous with northern working class culture for rugby league to grow outside of the m62 should super league use this image as an asset
3: or play it down i mean i think i touched on a lot of that i think it's it's what we are it's who we are and therefore uh, and and we sh- and, and and actually we should be phenomenally proud of it because inherent within it are so many fantastic things and values that Uh, you know transcend you know uh, social classes geography wherever you know listen I think you know we talked again before we started talking about the Corbyn movement and now blue collar you know very socially uh, driven values are capturing a whole generation Uh, you know those generations are you know young people in Barnsley and young people in Exeter and you know all over the country so they're not Localized around yeah, a the
0: NRL isn't class structured, is it?
3: And I, you know, and I, and I, and I think the reason um, rugby league prospered in Australia because it's a classless, city, you know, largely a classless society. Yeah. You know that sport appealed to Australians in the early nineties, in the early nineteenth century, twentieth century, twentieth yeah century, yeah. because it didn't have that class baggage. Mm. You know, it, it was a it was a city that you know people stood up on their own two feet. They just got on with it you know whether you've been there or not it's a city that just gets on with things it doesn't recognize class or background and that's why rugby league has done so well in that society where where we go in terms of our listen i talked about the need for the game to be very very clear about what it stands for where it's going i think what i need is a really good storyteller who can help me and the game do that that will appeal to to the guy who sent that question in you know, you know, for sure. I'm, I'm, listen, the other thing is our sport is phenomenally inclusive. You know, we welcome people who wear red trousers occasionally. <laughs> <into> <laughs> occasionally. <our sports. laughs> Just occasionally. For <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, Even if we, they're the size we, of Nigel Woods,
2: Everyone's well. Well. We, we, we had the disability
1: game recently. LGBT yeah. kids, women's game. Absolutely. I think that's one massive asset that the It goes back got to in. the soldier reference that you said, know, doesn't and,
3: it? And it goes back to a sport that is inclusive. You know, its very origins were about inclusiveness. It was about dealing with a sense of injustice. We don't care where you're from or whatever, you know. Uh, we, we take people on face value. We take people on what they do and not what they say and not where they're from. Listen, I think, you know, that, that's a great strength of our game. Yeah,
0: this one from uh, Rugby League in America podcast. We're a big fucking deal, Rob, basically. Everyone listens to us all over the world. We're worldwide, aren't yeah. we? Uh, so uh, Rugby League in America podcast says, when can we expect to know whether the NYC Rugby League, New York City, uh, that bid will be accepted? Although uh, it goes to the RFL side, which he appreciates, um, one would think that the super league would have a vote in that as well is that right
3: uh, i don't, i don't know the answer will um, i don't know is that genuine is it a genuine I I, I I don't know John and I think this comes back to what we talked about before in terms of you know expansion and and and, and proceeding with caution you're anxious with it yeah uh, yeah no i think just it's just that healthy degree of you, to, you know crit, crit, criticism not, not critique just being just you know not being naive in opening our doors and you know but at the same time we've got to be positive and we've got to embrace it the other thing I said at my press conferences like I said before is we kind of embrace it but then ask them to proceed with one arm tied up behind their back and if we're gonna do it, let's not make it yeah. a, a self-fulfilling prophecy. They're gonna fail because we make it so blooming difficult for them. Yeah. That again takes a lot of nerve, a lot of balls, you know, to be able to say, "Look, we really believe in it. We haven't got a lot of money, but what we have got, we're going to share and give it to you because we really believe in you." That, yeah. that takes a lot of courage. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah.
2: And what in in again going back to Everton and, and you, you had a lot of investment from personal, you know, individuals, yeah. Yeah. you know, and, and that helped, yeah. you know, certainly helped in. Um, I remember watching uh, an interview with yourself about uh, writing off some debt, existing debt yeah. that the club had had for, yeah. since 2003 yeah. or yeah. something and yeah. you, 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 basically this personal investment yeah. had completely eradicated yeah. that debt. Now the importance of individuals with money, the owners which it, and the people who invest their money that they've created into our sport is phenomenal isn't it? it? Is. Absolutely. And job. we need to attract those uh, people uh, don't we?
3: One hundred percent, one hundred percent and again that's you know, that's difficult for me to sit here and say in a way. But, you know, after the broadcast deal, you know, probably the next single biggest thing I could do would be to attract four or five people with really deep pockets to come in and, you know, take over our clubs yeah. or bring new clubs. You know, and that's, you know, when I'm representing 12 existing clubs, you know, um, maybe maybe that is a threat. But finding those people who are prepared to put money into our spot is, is absolutely critical. However, what you said there, John, about money at Everton is really, really interesting because for 13 years I was out saying we. The reason Everton um, are being held back is because we're missing two things. One is a shiny stadium and one is a billionaire owner. And we found the billionaire owner and actually, in some respects, went backwards. And mm-hmm. and, and that's not disrespecting that, but we built a culture which was very disciplined financially. Mm-hmm. All of a sudden, somebody comes in and throws money at it and we lost a bit of that discipline. And we're going to have to work really hard as a we, uh, to get that discipline back. So it's not necessarily... Listen, of course, it's useful but of course it's vital it's more than useful of course it is John but we can't lose final you know what, what we need to do is maintain that financial discipline in yes sport. yeah yeah, Listen, yeah it'd be a nice problem to have wouldn't
2: it be, yeah exactly yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's, we'll say, f- well, let's choose how we spend this money <laughs> yeah. Like, that's yeah let's raise <laughs> yeah. instead of let's not that let, come yeah, on yeah, we yeah. can't <laughs> spend any money we haven't got any let's choose how yeah. we yeah. spend yeah. all awesome. of this money four, Robert,
0: four or five <laughs> questions to go nick wilson five. says five. uh would nick wilson says would it be a good idea to encourage more kids and this sounds like a tacky question at the beginning but the more you think about it to encourage more kids to the game by making it free entry to, to games for all children under the age of 11. When you're talking about the future and you're talking about new TV deals, not till three years time. Set up practice, uh, passing, kicking, low impact, tackling drills pre-match and at time to get them interested in going to games and playing.
3: I think, I, think, I think the connection between kids playing and kids watching is is bang on. You know, I think the way to get kids into stadiums is throw them a rugby ball and let them Chuck it about in the school or playground or on the street you know this probably sounds like I'm very very old but participation and, 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 and attendance I think are really mm. closely linked I, I I don't believe in in free tickets I don't think free tickets work uh, you know at Everton we we have and we stuck with a policy which was basically a 95 pound season ticket for under 11s mm. and we've stuck with that for about five or six years that's a five pound a game you know I think there has to be some 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 value in what we're offering. there is value in what we're offering. I don't think free works but certainly what we have to do is make it really really easy for young kids did, to come into the did you stadium.
2: see the number of young uh, supporters grow in that with that initiative yeah then? absolutely yeah. john
3: we we had uh, the premier league average uh, is one in six fans in a premier league stadium are under the age of 22 at everton it was one in four wow and, and actually at the time that probably the penny hadn't dropped because i was just obsessing about filling the stadium and i'm patting ourselves myself on the back saying we've got it got the stadium fund and then the penny drops actually what we're doing is creating a really healthy fan base for the next custodians and the next custodians and maybe in 30 years time they'll look back and say you know that group of people who ran the club then did a brilliant job you know and that penny hadn't dropped and I think that's true so um so we've got to do everything we can to get young people into rugby League Stadium. There's
2: two things I'd say. One, when I look around at St Helens and a few of the rugby clubs and this is, with all due respect, we've got a lot of older fans yeah. And, yeah. and our fans are, oh, yeah. are, are, you know, I'd say we've got an ageing population yeah, yeah, of fans yeah. and we need to, yeah. we need a new young breed yeah, of fans. Of course, but right. this year at St Helens, we have Ben Barber, right? And I've never, ever in my entire Saints career seen so many young people excited. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. Before we walk into the stadium, yeah. there are swarms of kids wanting to meet Ben Barber. Yeah. Well, we've every had it, young John, kid John, we've wants had it every week ben on the
0: podcast. We've had it from people who yep. are in Canada, who are in Newcastle, who are in these non-hotbeds well, of rugby league. Yeah. Who, who would go to St Helen's to watch Ben well, Barber play? Another
2: example was Magic Weekend. I went what uh, from our hotel over to Evans Cycles. I went to I went to buy some water yeah. bottles for my yeah. bike. Yeah. Um, nice blog, when I was nice there, <laughs> when I was, bike yeah. <laughs> yeah, and yeah. her bike, a bike. I bought a set of <laughs> matching bottles. Pink. It's fine. It's not a problem. Uh, when I was in there, um, I had my Saints kit on. Yeah. The guy in there said, uh, "Geordie, he was like, I am. I bought a ticket today, and I'm, I'm no interest in rugby league." And he said, "Why?" He said, "I've got to come and see what this Ben Barber's is all about." Yeah.
3: And 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 for me, then my. We're
2: we'll going to Australia that in about three weeks. I we'll need to watch it.
3: But, John, when you were a kid, you would have had a Ben Barber. Martin, you, you would have yeah, had a Ben absolutely. Barber. You would have had one player in Hull or Oldham. Or were? Oldham, yeah. Oldham. There weren't many in Oldham. But, <laughs> <laughs> for yeah. but, point know, Wigan but like I mentioned before, Malcolm really, like, you know, yeah. I, I, I'm a million miles away from where you guys ever got. But Malcolm was just a god and I'd go and watch him wherever. So the game needs those. In a way, though, it's a vindication of the Super League strategy that, you know, we need those superstars. We need those super clubs. Mm. And they're going to be what creates that aspiration, uh, that magnet for those young fans, and, and that's really what this Super League initiative is about—is about creating that focal point that drags interest into yeah. our sport. Mark yeah. Wilson
0: says, uh, "What support can is Rob planning to offer clubs such as Wakefield on their fight for, uh, sorry, their fight with the local council developers in their search for a new stadium? Given that they're competitive on the field, reserves, ladies, PDRL, LDRL team, and a good community setup, stadium is the last piece of the jigsaw."
3: I mean I I I will give Wakefield all the support I can you know I've already spoken to a few clubs about if you need me to come to meet local authorities or potential partners and sell what the game's all about and where the game's going I'm really really keen to do that and whether that's got any value or not you know my experience trying to get a stadium off the ground at Everton I'm more than happy to share all of that I think in terms of financial support tangible support resource support I think it's down to Wakefield Wakefield have to do that but it's up to us to provide them and help them with any tools that we can but uh you know and of course we absolutely wish them every success in that respect
0: ryan says uh, what are rob's thoughts on limiting the number of times that refs can go to the video ref uh, teams can appeal the ref's decision maybe twice per match for example similar to what they do in tennis the amount of screen decision these days do, is do you ridiculous. know what interests
2: me here a lot of the questions robert coming to you are, are quite game specific you know game yeah. specific things. yeah yeah and 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 for me as a player my take on why we've brought you into the sport yeah. and why we need you in the sport is growing the bigger picture stuff yeah not necessarily the detail yeah, yeah. not the the actual you know yeah. substitutions yeah, or yeah. W- you know things like that yeah I see it as a bigger picture now that's quite interesting for me that yeah, a lot of the questions no, and are I think John through. that's
3: a real challenge for me because you naturally want to get into everything and I've really got to keep reminding myself it's like I said before the most important thing is that TV deal I could do nothing for the next 24 months other than understand the broadcast market and try and create something that works and actually if I did that I'd be doing the game the greatest possible service I possibly could what I'll do over the next 24 (laughs) months has been really tempted to get into all those things and I've got to really Avoid that, and I'm not, you know, I'm not, I'm not good at that, you know. Uh, coming on to that specific point, you know, I was in Catalan on Saturday, and blooming heck, do they know how to moan about referees? Yeah. I'm sat in front of the president. But French. I'm sat in front of the president. They're thirty points up with five minutes to go, and he turns around. <laughs> and <laughs> and he gives me a right old bashing about the refs. They're thirty points up. <laughs> but, and and again a lo- that he. Uh, Robert Hicks went to the video a lot. But I'm thinking in the time it takes now to score a try and for the kicker to bring the tee on, stop the clock, for a quick 15 to 20 seconds look at the hmm. video. Get home at midnight. It actually didn't make a damn bit of difference. It midnight. certainly didn't slow the kick down. Oh, what so you mean, right, okay, no, no, yeah, so, yeah. So, so, yeah. So I didn't really have a big problem with it. You know, every time he did it, you know, the crowd moaned, everybody moaned. So clearly the fans don't like it, but in terms of interference with the actual flow of the game, it didn't make a difference because we seem to be taking an awful lot of time on yeah. conversions these days. Yeah, we do,
2: yeah. <laughs> no, that's true. Last
0: two, I promise you. Right, so this one from Ryan Ford. The never-ending question <laughs> list. We have gone five hours, haven't we? Um, Ryan says we used to have the Regal Trophy Lancashire Yorkshire Cups Premiership Trophy etc as well as the League uh, and the Cup so would Rob consider another cup competition or a nines event? Imagine a nines event at the sunny Etihad, Ryan says. Well,
2: then were the days where the, the Silk Cup Challenge Cup, the, when when uh, tobacco sponsorship was Absolutely. allowed. Yeah. <laughs> so there was a lot of cash. I think Ellery Hanley specifically that. benefited from a lot of cash <laughs> payments from several Carol tobacco companies. To
3: we, <laughs> <silk cups. laughs> we, we, we did used to have a lot of cups, didn't we? Um... I, I, I mean, again, I think I don't know if I said it. It's been so bloody long. I've sat here talking to you. I don't know whether I mentioned it before. <laughs> but basically, I looked at a fixed schedule, which is looking at, you know, 13 or 14 home games, 13 or 14 away games, magic, four or five rounds of Challenge Cup, an international game, a playoff series, and a grand final. And there is the, you know, it's the proverbial court into the pine pot. And that, you know, the, the, the grand final seemingly is anchored first or second week in October if you're trying to create that fixture programme which has got only one cup competition in it, you're starting on the 1st of Feb yeah. I think we would all say starting on the 1st of Feb is too soon so the notion of any space for a Yorkshire Lancashire series uh, you know uh, another cup competition or a nice tournament it's just not there you know I think uh, one thing actually I'd really like to try and see and do is see if we could find some funding for a pre-season nines, nines in, in the Middle East or something you know so, so if we could find somebody who could put enough money up to get you know 12 Super League teams out there
1: my friend is a a big big hitter over there he says well well, there
3: you go but (laughs) it's sadly uh, caught into pint pot and there is just uh, not enough space for the current structure let alone a different one now whether you get the clubs to take a shortened league programme and forsake that for a cup competition. I that, can't. That's not going to happen.
1: I do like that idea, though. In terms of growing the game to different audiences, they have a massive sevens tournament in Dubai, don't they? Yeah. Yeah. In terms of maybe a nines. Well, the version Oakland of nines. it.
3: I, I don't know if they did it this year, but the Auckland Nines... They didn't do it this year, looked, year did they? they? No. no. I, you know, I was just going to say, it looked a great competition, it clearly no, wasn't I mean, that I mean, great. It was, it was, I think just, did.
1: with the, the NRL and they have the, the All-Stars game as well, I think it might clash with that, but it's been a big hit, though, over there. Yeah. yeah. It certainly
3: has. Well, what we do
0: every week is we actually choose the best, who's asked the best question to go, mm, we've asked so many, we probably can't remember, but we'll have a think back, and they win lunch, for four on a Sunday at Rigi yeah. Bianchi in Macclesfield yeah, 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 yeah. so anything if it does something something springs to mind before I ask you yeah, this next yeah, question yeah. shout out but the last question of episode 22 Paul Swift who I think has won the competition before um, Super League doesn't have the world stars that it once had due to the shift in salary cap allowance in Oz we've, we've been over that Do uh, does Rob think that the lack of genuine world class role models in our game is making youngsters look at other sports and stars for their inspiration
3: <laughs> i John answered that question yeah perfectly with his comments about uh, Ben Barber I think it's yeah. so important I think uh, again I come back to what I said when we were all growing up we all had two or three uh, of those idols you and, want uh, kids to want to be a Ben Barber and, absolutely and in,
2: in the global sports market though now right when I was a kid watching rugby league I, I was very limited in what traction i had with sports stars so my dad made me watch rugby league so my sporting idols were rugby league players now in the modern world every kid's got an ipad every kid's got a phone everybody's watching cristiano ronaldo take free kicks everyone's watching somebody hit a six in the ipl everyone so we need to even be be better we can offer traction to kids we can meet kids and we will ben barber will get in front of kids Mm. we need to use that more because yeah that's where other sports fall down is they're too protective and
3: they're not and and John who knows maybe this is really naive but this celebrity culture we're in and that very superficial relationship I'm really hoping at some point in the very near future turns on its head and we have something that's got a bit more resonance about it and in that sense maybe that's our opportunity who knows in 20 years time it might got even worse but that you know let, let's hope we're in a position where that does change him yeah, yeah. before be we say
0: goodbye then this week we do rugby league 101 sin bin something goes in the sin bin this week uh, to, to give Robert an example John Wilkins is going to go first what's going in the sin bin this week oh, uh, we have you the, the what
3: Chinese what player one that, 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 <laughs> was, that was definitely <laughs> no, the yeah the the think Jake, <laughs> I think
2: Jake Sharrock's being a quarter Chinese and we're pinning <laughs> our hopes on him being the that's what's going <laughs> in Pioneer a quarter, for one China, quarter for a billion
1: people with you don't want to tap into a market Millions of uh Jake, of Jake, you are our only hope. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, are you putting in a That's it, yeah, no, it's. Mark? We've just been disturbed by an 18th birthday party, so I'm going to have to be pretty quick with this. Um, substitutions, I think we should lower them. A couple of big lads for Warrington kept going off at the weekend, they have a little breather, get mm. fresh again, and kept running at me, so. I like the big fellas to have to play a longer minutes so they're not as damaging. Mr. Elston, then, so you've just come back into the game that you love. Something that you... The first thing that you thought,
0: like,
3: do you know what? I know you've, you've already, you can't choose Super eggs because you you've already thing, done that. Two, two things that... Uh, somebody whispered in my ear, what about getting rid of squad numbers? And I thought... I really like the idea of that. That's a little. I, I need to think it through. But do you not want people I, to buy? You know, I want. I want a Wilkin thirteen well, shirt. I'm not I sure, sure they, they do. I, you see, I think. I think kids want to be a number six or a number seven. Yeah. I don't think they want to be a number twenty-three with Ben. Whatever Ben Barber is I think they want. If Ben Barber's a fullback. Yeah. They want to put a number one on their back. Okay. Uh, listen, that needs testing. The other thing I sadly put in the bin is uh, free play. I just think if you sat next to somebody who doesn't really know the game, and then all of a sudden free play happens, it's like. What the hell's happening here?
2: How <laughs> hasn't that made it in so yeah, far? I, I, 22 I, rounds, but I, I, I should have been in I there. I don't get free play
0: at yeah. all. Robert, it's been an absolute pleasure to have you. I know we've kept you for a long time, but honestly, I think that's to, to, to people sitting at home, and they were, it's only 90 minutes they will listen to that, and I think it's absolutely fascinating. Oh, and such. Pleasure. I really appreciate your time, yeah, no, no. Uh, and I wish you all the luck with it because you, to me, seem like the
3: perfect man for the job. No, and, that's um, really nice of you to say. Yeah. I mean, I, listen, I come back to what you guys are doing and where you're going with the sport is... You know, it's terrific. Give you all the sport I can. It's it's bang on where we need to be. So good luck with all your ventures in the sport as yeah. well. Yeah, thanks very man. much.
2: it has yeah. been Trump, awesome. Yeah. That. Thank you. So yeah, don't much. forget
3: you can uh, download, subscribe, iTunes, Podbean,
0: your local podcast provider. Find us on Twitter at WhippetsRL Mr. Robert Elston thank you very much. Thank, thank you. Very very much.
3: Much. Thank you.